Amen. Did anybody who doesn't have allergies catch the, the smell of flowers coming into the room? I'm sorry, the rest of you, <laughs> but that was a beautiful smell. Hey, I'll tell you what, guys. Um, I, so I'm a pastor, and I've been doing ministry for a minute, and I just want you to know when we sing together, uh, my soul needs it just as much as yours does. Um, I come in here longing for something as well. So we're here together uh, as brothers and sisters seeking the, God, the living God, the one to whom we believe is speaking, who has spoken, and who has good plans for our lives. Despite wherever you find yourself today, that's our hope. Maybe you've come in here uh, with bad news on your mind or with something that might be ahead of you that you're worried about. You are in the right place. You have come to a group of people uh, who rallies together in belief that God is ahead of us, that he ultimately has a good plan. Uh, today, we, um, at, if you've been around, at the end of every kind of mini-series that we do, so we've been working through the book of Genesis for a while, and uh, you can see within the text that there are different characters and different movements within it. And at the end of kind of one of those character uh, movements, uh, we always take a pause, take a little bit of pause to do a week that we call um, In Practice. So this week, uh, that's what we're doing. Um, if you've been around for the other ones, it's usually when I pull out my whiteboard and uh, accidentally misspell things and make a fool of myself, but that is what it's going to be today. Uh, so I'm going to get on the whiteboard uh, to explain an idea to you about, that I think is really helpful, about how we can hear from God. Um, it's a weird, mysterious thing, but we believe as Christians that God is still speaking somehow through the mystery of this life, through the beauty of creation, and through his, you know, impression of his voice in our lives. So I'm going to teach you a shape like I have the last couple times when we do this, and it comes from a book called uh, Building a Discipling Culture that I wrote. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> Uh, but that, that I found for years actually has been really helpful for me. It's a model, it's a way to look at discipleship and following Jesus, and today I'm going to teach you kind of one uh, way that we can think of how we hear from God and how we uh, take action on what we've heard. So like I said, if you were here a couple weeks ago when I did the invitation challenge matrix and misspelled some words and hopefully didn't accidentally spell cuss words or something... Um, that uh, we're going to do something similar to that today. And we will be in the book of, we're only really reading two verses today. Um, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. That's where we're going to be today. And uh, I want to read that for you a minute. Um, that was powerful. Did you guys hear that? That's authority right there. The, the, what is it called again? The big nib has spoken. All right, let's read uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. This is about Jesus. It says, uh, after John was put in prison, in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. So that's what Jesus came to do, to proclaim the good news about himself and that God had sent him to come and save the world. Verse 15. The time has come, emphasis on the word time, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe this good news. 
couple things. Uh, well, before I define the word time, because that's, that's the main thing we're going to be focusing on here today. Those two words, repent and believe. Actually, you know what? I have that in my words later. We'll do that in a second. Uh, when we think of time, we normally think of, like, uh, obviously, like a linear thing, right? Um, that life starts at age zero and goes to whatever age you're going to be when you pass away. Um, that word in the Greek is uh, chronos, so chronological, right? Uh, we all kind of get that. Uh, the, the word that Jesus uses here for time is not chronological. It's not, it's 3.30, it's time to bring the kingdom of heaven um, and invite people to repent and believe this good news. Uh, it's the word kairos, the word kairos, which means, um, oh, it's eliminated from the bottom there. I'll tell you what it means. Uh, it's like a significant moment. It's a, div- a di- it's a divine opportunity. It's in this context, like when heaven and earth overlap. Kairos. It's not the same thing as chronological. It's not the same thing as just a Sunday at 10.30. But we all kind of know what that means, right? There, there's those moments, and they can be defining moments. They can be bad moments, or they can be moments that feel amazing. But life is full of these moments where you just wonder, is this more? Or, or if you're a Christian, for sure, is there somebody seeking uh, to discover if there is a God? Is God out there? And what might God be saying to me? So uh, kairos, it's this beautiful word that points us to a moment, really, in this context and throughout the Bible, where God speaks and we listen. So the rest of that verse, though, um, the kingdom of God has come near. Um, Well, kairos is kind of like this. It's kind of like if you're driving down the highway and you hit just a little bump, you could ignore it, or you can choose to investigate what that bump might have been. It's easy to miss God's voice, but when you do, key your ears in, key your heart in, key everything about you, into the voice of the living God, there is so much more for you to discover. So, the rest of that verse, though, it says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. If you've heard us talk about that word, repent, we're, re- we're trying to redeem that word, because that word, I don't know what comes to mind for you, but to me, it's, it's a, uh, some sort of bullhorn person or somebody that's using it in a mean sort of sense. The Greek for that word is metanoia, which is just fun to say. Uh, it really essentially means to like turn back to God. Uh, I heard one person when they were teaching me this shape that metanoia, so repent, is like turning your face towards God. And you hear me say at the end of every service that um, our benediction is that his, may his face shine upon you. It's almost like turning towards God is like turning towards the sun. Not the 95 degrees scorching your face, son, but just the, the, like, today, son. So what happens when we have these moments, these Kairos moments? Here, I'll try and use my big nib to, uh, thanks for the courtesy sniff laugh in the back there. Appreciate you. Um, to think of it like this. So Jesus says, the time has come. There's a moment, and he offers these two things for us to do. Number one is to repent. 
glasses up here, sorry. Um, oh, I should have said this, guys. On the ends of the aisles, there's a little printout thing. Can you, if you're on the ends, just hand those into the middle for anybody that might want them? Um, and what I want you to be able to do is on the second sheet, so you don't, this isn't homework, <laughs> can be if you want, but this, this sheet is a resource for you this week to reflect on. But what I want you to actually do is flip over to side number two, and there's the, the shape that I'm going to be drawing is right there. And if you're a note taker, um, fill in what I'm going to be saying as I'm doing it. If that's distracting to you, just sit and listen. Completely your choice. But I want you to be able to kind of see how we can think of how we hear from God and then how we respond to it. So uh, Jesus says, uh, repent and believe this good news. Um, so that's really to say, um, okay, so God is saying something. So what is God saying? Does anybody ever ask that question? I, I do all the time, and, and not necessarily like, hey, should I have Cheerios today or should I have uh, uh, Fruity Pebbles? The answer would always be Fruity Pebbles because that is a gift from God. I had Fruity Pebble flavored frosting the other day. Ethan, you took that home. Have you been tasting it on your way to work, just kind of in the, the center dash? So, um, back to what I'm here to talk about. What is God saying? So repent, turning your face to God. He's calling us home. And then he says to believe. Which I believe is the word pistis, uh, which is more for their context, less, less about just something in your head and more about living a lifestyle that matches what you believe. So the question that we can ask here is, so question number one, what is God saying? Question on this side is, what are you going, oh heavens, so it begins. Okay, what are you going to do about it? Hmm. So if God says something, and that something uh, gives direction to your life or gives clarification or new identity to you, what are you going to do? True faith really is taking action on what you believe, right? So turning your face towards God. We believe God has something to say to us about who we are and therefore who he wants us to be and live like in this world in order to bring more shalom into the chaos. You hear us speak it every week. So our identity is the church. So if you think of this kind of like a kairos moment, it disrupts you. And then you have, and again, the book kind of lays out where the scriptures are that support this idea. You have different kind of phases almost when it comes to what is God saying? So I grew up um, <clears throat> believing really that it was like God's voice to me was like a straight shot to him and nobody else could interfere with what that says. That if you are a good Christian, you will hear clearly from God by yourself and it doesn't matter what other people might say. 
I've grown to change my view in that just a little bit, and I want to show you how. So uh, when we sense that God might be speaking in our lives, if there's a, a little hiccup in the highway, if there's a moment where you're wondering what something's about, and my life is full of these moments when I look back for sure, uh, the first thing that we can do is really we have to observe, don't we? We have to notice that something feels less, not, not a coincidental necessarily, or if something is repeated in your life, or if you for some reason have really strong feelings about something, or somebody uh, uh, gives you feedback about your life from different places, we have to observe. We have to actually be open to the idea that God is speaking. But that's not enough just to observe. We actually have to take time to reflect. And I hope that you do that in your life. Actually, I, I think you probably do because you're here. You're here in large part, hopefully, to reflect on who God is and to reflect on who you are and to reflect on your future and to reflect on the mysteries of the divine, to actually take time instead of just wondering, what was that about? What was that blip on the highway? You're taking time to observe it, to reflect it, to reflect on it. And then an important piece, I think this might be the most important part, is to discuss. So think of this like, this is a process, right? Going this way. Something happens that feels like it's a significant word. And I know this is like crazy abstract right now, but if you, if you could ponder your own life, times and moments and seasons when you wondered if God was saying something to you, um, if it's where you're supposed to live, who you're supposed to marry, what job you're supposed to do, if you're supposed to do something for your neighbor, you can ignore it and miss out on what God wants for you, or you can pay attention and observe it and reflect on it and take time with God and discuss it with other people. That's the piece, that's why I think it's so important. Like, I'm a pastor. I've said that a million times. Um, but I don't think that means I have the 100% clear shot pathway to God's voice, honestly, any more than you do. I think we are meant, as the church, to discern and discuss and live in community together. To, that's why we do, we do things relationally. That's why we do things at, at affirming votes and collaborate. And I'm not interested in leading a group of people that will just do what I say. I think we're kind of like a family with a listening ear to God, reflecting together and discussing what might God be saying to us. The temptation is to jump straight to action. And I'll, I'll uh, lay that out in a minute here, but uh, when, when you feel like you've discerned God's will, um, in your life, if God has 
spoken a kairos, there's a kairos in your life, you've observed it, you've reflected it, you've discussed it, you feel like there's affirmation of this thing in your life, um, the next step is to plan. If we're talking about what are you going to do about it, there must be something that God has said. Jordan, why, do, like, I could, I could talk your ear off about, like, I feel like I'm supposed to plant a church in Wyoming, and that's a, an old question now for me. But that kept coming up, and I could not ignore it. Why? Of all the places, why do I care about Wyoming so much? And certainly some of my story, a lot of my story has to do with that, but the discussion process, the discernment process, inviting others into the conversation, many of you sitting in this room, led to a plan that eventually took shape because we are the body of Christ together, hearing from God. So we plan, and then this is so important, to have accountability. So let's say God really does speak, and we can discern a direction for our life in the mystery, mysterious realm of faith, but it becomes clear you're supposed to do something, you're supposed to be something, or go somewhere. We've been talking about Abram this whole last couple weeks, and Isaac, this family that was called by God to go. So what does that look like? What's the plan going to be? What's the accountability going to be? Because if God really does speak, and if he does say a word that can change our lives, that can change your lives, that can change the lives of a community, then what's the plan? How can we step into action? And how can we make sure we don't give up? Where's the, the accountability to say, Jordan, okay, so you've Let's use the church plant analogy here. You really have these strong feelings for planting a church. That's great. Uh, You've discerned with your family, with your friends, with others in the area that it seems like you're supposed to start a church. Who's going to help you with that plan? Okay, others come around. That plan is really good. Your feelings fade a little bit. Where is the accountability to hold you to go do what God is asking you to do even when it gets hard? That's the hard part, is what makes slowing down and really taking God's voice seriously is it can be easy to, once you feel a little less strongly about something or you have uh, affirmation about it, that you just move on to the next thing. That's why accountability is so important. I tell you, I wouldn't be your pastor, there wouldn't be a Wyoming Harbor if there wasn't the less exciting but just as necessary part of taking the word God has given, putting it into a plan, and having those around us to hold us accountable to it. And then, of course, there's action. See, the, which is necessary, right? Faith is putting into action what God has said. The temptation a lot of times is to jump straight, like there is for all these things, is to jump straight from maybe like here and here to action and cut out anybody else. That, it, that my relationship with God is literally just me and God, so back off. But he, but God thought up this thing called the church, which is this messy, global, diverse group of people that sometimes discerns 
and, and discusses differently, but that gets to carry the good news of Jesus forward into a, a dark, desperate world. If you, and I've been there, and sometimes I'm guilty of it, but if you, if you cut out other people, which is, I guess, these three items right here, and it's only about what God said to you and then you take action, I think that I'm leery of that myself. Within myself. I've already shared a little bit about my upbringing, that God told me. Well, have you ever thought, like, how do you know God told you? How do you know? Now, it might sound like I'm contradicting myself. I'm, I'm trying not to. It's just we are a part of a thing called the church, which is Jesus' body. It's the body of Christ, and he gave us each other as resources, as extended family on mission to discern his voice in our life. There's nothing more, for me, more energizing than when I wonder about something and I bring it up with some of you and then you bring it up to some other people and then we can see, I think God is saying something to us. I think we're supposed to do something here or I think you're supposed to do something here. When have you had these moments? Are you paying attention? to it. Here's the benefit that's offered here is, is we don't actually, if we are listening to God, if we're turning our face to God and asking what is God saying to me today, sitting with it, inviting others into it and asking what am I going to do about that, what actually happens is our life can take on a, a new trajectory that we don't just go back to being the same. That space that kind of happens here when you choose to pause, to observe, reflect, discuss, make a plan and accountability and take action. What happens in our lives when we are willing to take God seriously in community with each other the new trajectory we take, the more often we listen to the voice of God is what can lead to transformation in our lives. I'm not trying to give you some formula, some like uh, magic potion. Because <laughs> every one of these steps is hard and sometimes ambiguous. But I am trying to encourage you, and I've seen it a thousand times in my life and in, in yours, that when we believe God is speaking, his voice becomes more clear. And together, the course of action and change that we're supposed to take individually and as a church also becomes more clear. Turn your face to God. And if you truly do, on a daily basis, you will discover that your life is beginning to look differently. 
if you will take his voice in your life and in our life together seriously. The change that you might be here every week to seek will actually begin to happen. Now, there's other items we could talk about with uh, what goes into this and this. Well, maybe I should pray more. Maybe I should get into the Bible and know what it has to say. Maybe I should make sure I come to gather together. Maybe I should not do this alone. Yeah. All that stuff is true. But if you leave with nothing else this morning, I want you to know that I think God is speaking. And I think he's speaking your name. And I think he wants to, he, want, he, he doesn't want to know you better. He already knows you better than you know yourself. He wants you to know him. And to have a different view of the people all around the world to whom God is also calling their name to turn their face towards him. It's tricky. It's tricky because trying to hear from God can be frustrating. Even if you do bring others around you, even if you are doing it on a daily basis, and sometimes it feels like, man, I'm really trying to hear what God is saying to me, and it's been six months, and it feels like he's just not listening. It feels like God just doesn't care. You hear Jordan talk about it up front, that God hears you, God sees you, God wants you to know him, God knows you, God loves you. And yet, there are seasons, aren't there, when we doubt that any of this is true. Ever been there? Are you there today? Or have you seen it enough in your story to go, I'm having a drought right now, I feel like I'm in a desert, but I know God has spoken, and I know I've seen him, and I know Jesus is alive, and I can't deny it, even though right now sucks. (laughs) Is that you? So I'm trying to embrace something about myself, my friends. And I think that's that I truly am a four on the Enneagram, if you know what that is. That's the artist, that's the unique individualist. I don't think I'm more unique than you. I think we all are. But I think a way that God is speaking to me is through poetry and through writing it myself. So I will not write a new poem every week and share it with you, I promise. But I'm trying to be honest about what it is that helps me to hear from God, and I think this is one of those ways. So I was at the beach, uh, Holland Beach, on Wednesday. I had a staff retreat thing that got done early. And I was excited to be able to go to the beach to maybe hear from God. And here was my reflection as I sat there. It's a poem called Listen. What is life? Is this normal or not? Feelings, wrestling, sad, no rest. Thoughts within my tired chest, back and forth, resting or rot. Beach burns with no sunscreen, sand cooks beneath the spot, my heart hurts and my head hot, shade gives no rest for me. 
Is this life unfair to everyone? Because every foot that I see is another travel, traveler likely praying, speak to me, Lord, please come. Close eyes, open ears, I'm ready to pray. Listen, cool waves, kids laughing, fun, seagulls singing in the sun, wait, I'm alive today. So I open eyes with ears wide, learning there's another way, listen to what God might say, let him be your place to hide. Sometimes it's crystal clear what God is saying. The people around you affirm that and bless that and are excited with you for that. And sometimes you're trying and you just can't hear it. If this poem I've written feels like blasphemy, go read some of the Psalms. The people that were pursuing God with their heart are oftentimes the one that ask, where are you, God? Why have you forsaken me? So that com- that's what comes out of me when I listen to what is God saying to me. And when I pause to observe and reflect, I can see that I'm alive. And someday on this side, I will not be. My friends, you are alive. Nothing more obvious I can tell you than that. And because you are, that must mean God has something to say to you. He has someone he wants you to be. And I think because he has a heart for a world in chaos, that he also has something he wants you to do. A mission he's calling you to be a part of. So my invitation to you guys and challenge this week is to ask this question. What is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? Maybe you already have an idea. Maybe there's been something rumbling inside of you. Here's challenge part two. Who can you discuss that with? It might seem like a setback because it's easier just to go, okay, God's telling me I need to do this, I'm gonna take action, and then I'll tell you. And I think the wise, uh, the wisest ones among us who probably have been following Jesus the longest can attest to it the most, that the more we invite other people into the process of discernment for what God might be saying, the more power that that word actually has. So what is God saying to you? Are you turning your face to him? Remember, repent doesn't mean look to the face of an angry God. It means look to one who wants you to become who he's created you to be. One who has love radiating from him towards you. 
We can miss it. We can miss it. I have missed it. Have you missed it? It's time to wax our ears and listen that God has something to say to you all, my friends. So my invitation to you between now and your sheet kind of tells you, gives you a little bit of a hint. We're going to spend a little bit more time on that in a couple of weeks. But I want to invite you as you go today to just begin to wonder if there is a God and if this God speaks, what might this God be speaking to you? Let's pray. God of wonders beyond our galaxy, we are in a room full of people that just can't stand the thought that all of life is just a cosmic accident. That everything we live and find meaning and purpose in, it has none. We believe and are striving to believe more that you are the one that said, let there be light. That there was a word that came and all things began to be. You created it all and then you sent one to whom John, the book of John says, the word, that's Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You didn't just throw words at us from up in a holy throne. You came down. You suffered. You asked the question, why? While you were hanging on the cross, you know, you know what it's like to be human. And you have brought hope to us, Lord. So I pray, in spite of everything I set up here with a silly shape, that the thing that will stick the most with people here is that you are a God who sees every person, you call their name, and you're pulling them towards yourself with love. I pray that we will see that today, that hope will rise up in this room and it will roll out of this building into our cars, into our homes, into our phones, into our schools, into our workplaces that even if the people leaving here don't know how to describe it, they will have more faith and more hope and more curiosity about where you are speaking life into their life. In Jesus' name, amen.